all, so this goes to you and to the team for all the hard work we put in day in and day out. <laughs> we about to get it in, baby. Let's get it. Welcome to a special spring football edition of Our Kind of Pod. For nearly four months, Stan and I have graced the airwaves with Husky football talk, but with UW football's uh, spring camp in the books, we finally had enough to talk about. We discussed the major developments with UW's quarterbacks, both past, present, and future, uh, accounted for whether the offensive and defensive side of the ball can create a little bit more playmaking this year, uh, talked about some hashtag pro dogs, and much, much more. Uh, this is a long one we plenty to talk about for what should be an interesting Husky season coming up. Before we get started, I want to remind you this podcast is brought to you by Loco Cold Brew. Uh, I love cold brew, but sometimes the acidity can leave me feeling dehydrated and worse than I was feeling before I drank it. Loco Cold Brew has figured out a way around that by brewing their cold brew with coconut water and now with maple water. Uh, yeah, that's right. You can do it two different ways there. Uh, lots of caffeine, lots of good stuff in there to get your day going. Can't argue with that. Uh, if you want to add some loco to your life, search for Loco Coffee on Amazon, or you can head to drinklococoffee.com and sign up for our, their newsletter to get 20% off your first order. One more time, that's drinklococoffee.com. All right, our kind of pod. Here we go. All right, it's been uh, it's been like four months since we've had to do one of these, man. It's kind of wild. Yeah, January 4th was the last time uh, our kind of pod was published on the airwaves. Yeah, that was uh, a few days after the Rose Bowl when, uh, you know, you, you could kind of look at this with purple colored glasses and say this is this is a nice little season or it was like, wow, we really didn't do a whole lot this year. And it's kind of where we left off. But I think uh, I think four months is a good good break away from um, from uh, college football, because otherwise you just lose your mind. Well, I mean, we also needed to focus on college basketball, which was obviously a fun season for the Huskies getting back to the tournament. So yeah. um, it was a it was a well worth the break. I was going to say that I haven't actually listened to um, I'm a Husky Baby in between uh, the end of football season and now, but that's not true because I listened to it at halftime of the uh, the Utah State game in round one of the tournament. I pumped myself up. <laughs> I Just turned, on repeat. Yeah. Yeah, I turned into an eighth grader again where I would do shit like that in the middle of games to try and swing the outcome. You, you I have like the, it. That's, you, a, that's an interesting strategy there. Yeah, you have the the uh, lucky lucky jersey thing going on, right? Yeah, the uh, the kids size large Brandon, uh, Brandon Roy jersey. It's funny. So, you... I was about to say Brandon Boyd jersey. That would be weird. <laughs> it is funny you say that, though, because I do know that you have a Michael Stanton jersey. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. My grandpa is really into the uh, the you know your last name type jerseys, mm -hmm. which I do not wear in public because I'm other than on Turkey Bowl, obviously, which yes. you've seen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where I wear just the most absurd thing you can possibly find in your uh, closet. Yeah. The um, the the your actual name on the jersey thing seemed like a really good idea at one point in the world, but as an adult, I don't think there's anything more humiliating. <laughs> Than your name on a college or professional, especially college, I think. Uh, yeah, Jersey. Maybe, maybe it's well, worse for professional. I don't know. What What would you prefer if you had to choose between the two: a Seahawks Boyd jersey or a Seahawks fan jersey? Oh, I would <laughs> neither. Never in my life wear a Seahawks fan jersey. I <laughs> I just I just I've never understood that. It's like you paid eighty dollars just for for 
for what exactly. Um, I think that says a lot about the fan base in some respects as well. I but wonder how the, the 12th, I dig- yeah, I wonder how the twelfth fan jersey does like in uh, like competitive jersey sales across the league. Like, <laughs> oh, I oh, I think it's pretty high. At least for the Seahawks themselves, I think it's like one of the highest selling jerseys. Like, do you think there's more? There was more twelfth fan or Doug Baldwin jerseys sold last year. Honestly, I would probably guess twelve fan. That's pretty absurd. Yeah, I'm gonna look that up and we'll report back because yeah. these are the hard hitting facts that our viewers, our listeners, need to know. Yeah, we we don't just uh, make false promises on these airwaves. So um, yeah, yeah. I mean, feel free to just make something up completely, but at least we're at least we're trying. Um, <laughs> so let's uh, let's dive into this. Spring camp is over. Um, it kind of came and went. Fifteen practices, ten were made public. Um, to reporters and you know neither of us were, were there unless you decided to, to make, take a stroll down to Montlake midday uh, and watch some of those practices but neither of us were there so we're just going nope. off of what we've uh, what we've gathered in the reporting. yeah yes. yeah we've been gleaning a lot um, a lot of gleaning mm-hmm. over here from Boston on, on the <laughs> reporting of, of one Christian Capel and also new to the beat uh, Mike Varel of the Seattle Times uh, big how, fan yeah yeah I, I kind of like Varel at least the, I mean, the articles are all, it's all kind of the same, but his social yeah. media game is, uh, is much stronger than, uh, than one Adam Jude. Yeah. I, I don't even, I don't even know if I've read a Varel article. I just <laughs> follow him on, I mean, Twitter is where I get the most, of, most of my uh, news anyway. So he's a great, he's a good follow. Yeah. He's doing well. Um, we can, we'll, we'll probably make something up by the end of the year. Reckless speculation about what happened to Adam Jude. Um, that'd be a fun, fun, fun segment. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but we'll, we'll try and stay focused here as, uh, as fans of our kind of pod. know, we, uh, we start this off by, by cracking into our four downs. Uh, the first of which being the most important, um, I thought we'd be done talking about Jake Browning in first down, but, uh, but that will not be the case. <laughs> we'll, we'll mention him briefly at the end of this down. Uh, but first down does belong to the quarterback situation at UW, um, which was not as definitive as I would have probably liked it to be coming out. Um, it's still kind mm-hmm. of one, two, uh, ambiguous as to who's going to be the starter between Jacob Eason and Jake Hayner. I get the po- the politics there, but does it frustrate you that that whole thing is not resolved? Um, to an extent, yes. But at the same time, you got to realize this what coaching staff you're dealing with and that's the chris peterson you know do everything by the book correctly which is him trying to um you know create competition and kind of stick to his his guns so to speak so i'm not surprised at all uh with that said i think you know everybody knows where this is going to go you have a you know a consensus first round pick in the one of the next two drafts upcoming so, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be skinny, but I mean, Hayner hasn't, he's not, he's not the, the best guy out there, but he still can hold his own and he has some flashes of, you know, pretty good throws and stuff. So, uh, I think it's been good that he's gotten that, that first team experience through, uh, spring camp, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm ready for the skinny Eason show now. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, like you said, being cognizant of, of who the coaching staff is, we can't be surprised with the. Uh, kind of gamification that, that Chris Peterson has done with this where 
there's political message to be sent. This is the same guy who didn't play Case and Williams, didn't play Azim Victor, didn't play a lot of the guys who were considered the most talented people on Sark's old team uh, when he first took over. Um, so it makes sense that you know someone else's talent or or something that you know he didn't foster all the way from from day one like he did with Hayner uh, wouldn't be just given something. I completely get that. However, there is something to be said too if you're Jacob Eason. Uh, you came here for a reason, and it's not necessarily given to you yet. So I, I just hope that that dynamic doesn't carry over into the fall one way or the other. Because like you said, there's there's a clear talent gap. Um, the whole, like, Hainer, like, I can't believe this is even an argument. Like, like there's, uh, Varel, bless his heart, we were just singing his praises, but was tweeting about how uh, the anti-Browning crowd from, the, from years past has now become mm-hmm. the anti-Hainer crowd. Uh, as if like this is which seems to say that that uh, Varel is positing that Hayner could actually be the starter. I I just don't understand that at all. Like like wait, the, the last, you mean the ant? They were anti Browning and now they're anti Eason. They're anti Hayner, but the way oh. Varel was putting that was making it seem like all these people are so anti Hayner just as like loud voices when there's not actually as much uh, fire to that smoke, I guess. Sure. Uh, saying that those, that Hayner and Eason are actually not that far apart. Um, although Varel and, and Christian Capel have both said that Eason w- would probably be the guy if they had to pick. I just can't believe we're here. Mm-hmm. Like, like the last time we saw Jacob Eason really play football, he beat TCU in a bowl game as a true freshman for Georgia. The last time yep. we saw Jake Hayner really play football, he was injecting helium into balls against Cal, blowing that game <laughs> through pick six. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, tough spot for for him to step in and make his first, you know, like legitimate debut, so to speak. Um, but yeah, there's there's really in my mind and in everybody's mind, it should be this way. Yeah. I'm sorry, there is no there is no argument here. I mean, you're talking about a guy. And Eason, who played 13 games in the SEC as a true freshman, started 13 games, 16 games overall, had a, tw- a shade over 2,400 uh, 400 yards that freshman year with 16 TDs, eight interceptions. And uh, on top of that, he's been in the system for the last year, won the scout team offensive player of the year last season. So he, you know, he's familiar with yep. how we want to play on offense. Now, so is Hayner. But Hayner doesn't have, you know, all the 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 skill set that Eason brings to the table. He's like your typical, your your prototypical quarterback, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah, even when when Hayner came in and did well against North Dakota State Catholic Central University or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever whatever his appearance was last year, uh, Hayner is programmed right. Like he, like he just knows what to do. He is uh, very good at, at at performing what he is supposed to do where mm-hmm. Eason has the actual chops, the physical tools, the experience. The uh, it factor. Exactly. I mean, there, there's just a reason that one guy was a five-star coveted quarterback who could have played anywhere he wanted to, and there's a guy who's a walk-on. It's just the, the reality yeah. there, um, and that will bear itself out. And it's not like Eason is this bust who hasn't performed anywhere and is just kind of bouncing around. He has an actual track record, like you said, of performance in the SEC. Yeah. So I, I, I'm on record, and I said this to, to our friend Zach Peggins, uh, that I will transfer my alumni status from University of Washington to Oregon State University if Jake Hayner <laughs> is the starter against Eastern. Barring injury, I will do it. I will submit my papers, 
send them in uh, and become a Beeb fan um, if that's the, that's the case. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there because you know I, I'm willing to say it over text. I'm willing to say it publicly. I think we need to say there could be worse things than being a beave. So this is um, true. This is true. I'm just, you know, I, I, it's not like I hate the beavers and this is just some, no, some bold claim. It's but just, uh, still it is, it is bold though. It is bold. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think you'll be okay. I think you're not going to have to submit those papers. Um, I will say I, to give Hayner some credit here, um, he can be turnover prone, but, he brings his gunslinger mentality that the coaches seem to like a lot and he won't really back down from anything in that regard. So I do see some of the things that they're seeing in him. But like you said, at the same time, he's, he just doesn't possess the same qualities as skinny Eason does. So yeah, this one I think will be settled pretty quickly come August 31st. Yeah. And, and I mean, listen, like for, for all intents and purposes, the, the reports were that Hayner was not like, a complete bust and it's not like he was throwing pick sixes every day in spring practice and it's not like Eason was necessarily lighting the world on fire no um, he definitely wasn't actually what, which is what, kind of weird yeah right I mean there's 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 cause for you know somewhat concern or tempering expectations at least there Capel saying about Eason uh Christian Capel of the, of the athletic uh, Eason didn't have a spectacular spring but at least in the 10 practices open to the media he seemed to make better decisions and avoid turnovers in addition to the big play bomb every now and then. Mm-hmm. So, and that's so, that's what we need. I mean, yeah. we, we don't need a guy to come out here and like put the whole team on his back. Um, just, you know, and to some respects, that's, you know, Jake Browning wasn't that at all. He kind of let the game come to him. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we don't need someone to go out and like make plays every drive. Um, but Eason is capable of that, yeah. too. If yeah. He really steps up this game. I mean, we, we last year as an offense just were not efficient and not a big play offense whatsoever. So hearing that that notion about Eason being um, a big play threat is is exactly what this offense needs in addition to the experience uh, that we've talked yes. about. I, I think that, you know, the, the answer will be Eason. It's just how good is this guy? Um, at some point, I'll repost the, the Tom Tree, his high school coach. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, podcast from a couple from a year and a half ago or so. About Eason coming to UW, uh, but with that, uh, Jacob Eason. When I just want to compare Eason's freshman season at Georgia to Jake Browning's freshman season at UW, just to kind of give okay. a little bit of apples to apples here. Yep. Uh, Eason at Georgia. Georgia that year was 30th in the nation in passing S and P plus uh, from Pro Football, Football Outsiders. Uh, that being a measure of your efficiency, explosiveness, uh, doing what you're supposed to do, basically on drives given your field position. Not a, not turning the ball over and then adjust it for opponent, which is important. That you know, if you're if you're performing well in the SEC, that means you're performing really well somewhere else. Browning yep. that year or UW that year as, as a team was 83rd um, in in mm. in his freshman season in in S and P plus. So uh, Browning was you know a little bit below average, I guess that year. But I mean, he was a true freshman. Eason was considerably above average. Um, as a true freshman playing in the SEC. So I don't know. I mean, I think that that's given just we didn't really see a sophomore season from Eason and he's had a whole, you know, whole two years to just basically study film. I would expect, I mean, Browning sophomore season, we all saw what happened. He exploded. So I mean, given, I mean, he doesn't really have Dante Pettis and John Ross there, but there is some talent out there. And so I would imagine that we could expect 
a huge jump from Eason statistically. Yeah, and like I'm I'm kind of thinking of it's a weird analogy, but I'm thinking of spring training here. There's so many guys in baseball that do poorly in spring training and then just start lighting it up uh, when the season starts. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen Jacob Eason play a single down for this Utah football team in a real game. Yep. So uh, any type of excitement that is not you know anything that we've seen over camp that might be tempering our excitement a little bit i would take that with a grain of salt because at the end of the day this guy has a massive you know uh sample size of of football that he's played over you know high school and 16 games at georgia that he showed he he can really bring it Mm -hmm. so uh yeah i I'm I'm just going to assume that he's going to be solid for us until I see otherwise once the season starts. Yeah, exactly. It's expect basic level of competency. Basically, if we can expect exactly what Browning gave with a little more upside, um, I think we'd all take that. But knowing that there's the potential for, for much more is is the exciting part. Other thing to mention with sure. Eason and his performance this spring uh, is no Aaron Fuller, no Quentin Pounds, um, and no, no Ty Jones to throw to the all of spring three guys mm-hmm. that will probably be, or definitely be a, a huge part of the offense by then. So, you know, he's throwing to guy to Marquis Spiker and Austin Osborne and, and guys who haven't actually done it at the PAC 12 level. Um, so, you know, who's to say how that'll look come fall when all those guys sure. are healthy. Uh, there's other mm-hmm. quarterback drama that doesn't extend to just the, the, the one, uh, you know, the starter and the backup here. Involving uh, one Colson Yankoff and Jacob Sermon. Um, basically, as soon as spring practice was over or spring camp was over, they both put their names in the transfer portal. Um, which did you ever watch Danny Phantom as a kid? Did what? What Phantom? <laughs> D- Danny Phantom. Oh, Danny Phantom. Sorry, you're you're cutting out a little bit. Uh, so I'm trying to trying to hear you here. Uh, well, you, you just made me say uh, no. Dan- I have not watched Danny Phantom. Well, you just made, made me say Danny Danny Phantom three times on air, so I appreciate that. Um, but uh, but anyways, <laughs> in Danny Phantom, there's like this huge portal that's where all the ghosts are, um, and he goes in there and, and you know kicks some butt. But uh, that's what I imagine the transfer portal is like. It's just this like big, you know, amorphous thing that you just put your name into. Uh, but either way. Jacob Sermon, Colson Yankov both uh, announced that they are going to transfer. I don't know if there was any like game theory of like Jacob Sermon texts Colson Yankov and was like, "Hey man, let's do this. We got to get out of here." Um, and he's like, "Colson Yankov's like, yeah, let's do it." Um, and then Sermon's like, "Cool, so you're actually going to do it?" And Colson's like, "Yeah, yeah, just did it." And then Jacob Sermon's like, "Psych, I did not <laughs> mean to do that uh, because Jacob Sermon is still going to stay at UW while Yankov, I guess, is going." A little bit of a weird dynamic. I think that if it all works out, just like I just said, where Sermon stays and Yankoff leaves, it makes sense. I mean, there's just there was just no way that both of them were ever going to get playing time at UW. Yeah, I mean that's one of the one of the potential downsides of taking two really highly rated quarterbacks in the same class, as was the case with Sermon and Yankoff. Um, losing one of them we can deal with losing if we lost both of them it would be a little bit harder um although i think we still would have been okay um with that said yankoff brings probably more athleticism to the table which was kind of exciting because we haven't really had that at the quarterback position as of late um but with that said as well uh, sermon from what i've read 
has uh, had a better spring camp than Yankoff. So, I mean, both of them got minimal reps with the first team. Um, but I think that's encouraging, at least, that we've heard some murmurings about positive things about Sermon as opposed to Yankoff because, you know, Sermon is staying and it looks like Yankoff is leaving. And I think it's been solidified even today by the team handing out uh, some walk-on scholarships to get us back up to 85. Uh, I think that pretty much, you know, that's mm. that's Yankoff is officially out. Did, so. they, did they do any of the cool videos where they, like, pretend like it's just going to be some boring coach's PowerPoint and then they actually give a guy a scholarship? Did I, I didn't I missed <laughs> I that didn't see any today, but, uh, you know, we'll have to scour the Twitterverse for that because that's obviously the content we need. I don't know if, if so. you know, does those. It seems like... No, it, do, it doesn't seem like, like something we would do. Yeah. I mean, maybe we would, but not record it. I don't the, know. Those videos just get me, though. Like, I, I watched yeah. I watch those or... Um, like soldiers coming back and surprising their kids They're at dog. baseball games or, oh, yeah, or dogs or dogs. Yeah. Uh, those, those are incredible. Um, yeah. Just, just tear fuel. Uh, Gotta love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the big part of this, I mean, Sermon and Yankoff might both have been backups under a Dylan Morris or a Luke Hewitt mm-hmm. down the road. However, I just think that, Without those two, one of those two guys, the bridge to it was basically relying on Dylan Morris to be great or relying on just Dylan Morris to be great or relying on the Chase Garbers kid. Um, Ethan, Ethan, Ethan Garbers. Garbers. Yeah, Chase. Chase is the one who went to uh, Cal. Cal, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, then, and then that whole situation was basically treating Luke Hewitt as if he's going to be Trevor Lawrence and just be awesome as a freshman. Uh, which Sam heard is it Sam or is it yeah Luke is the other brother I don't know I'm, I'm yeah um, you got the last names right the yeah, Hewards the Hewards are like first. the McCowns like there's there's 14 of them and you just <laughs> gotta hope you're saying the right one when you're talking about it um, oh we'll know his name come 2021 yeah that's for Sam sure. Heward but that that whole idea yep. of let's just get to Sam Heward so that when Sam Heward gets there uh, he'll just kick ass and it's like do you understand how Trevor Lawrence is a freak of nature um, in terms of how productive he was at Clemson and also surrounded by maybe the best college football team uh, ever sure. in terms of talent uh, around him. So um, not not an expectation I want to have of just wait till Sam Heward gets here. He'll be awesome right away. Um, so having a guy like Sermon or like Yankoff in the in the can and maybe develop them into a, you know, a, a competent starter in the Pac-12 uh, is important. Yeah, and uh, you know those those are guys who have been in the system. This is their what would it be second year now? I mean, yep. and they're obviously not really. I mean, Sermon's not really going to play this year unless something crazy happens. So um, you know he'll have he'll have two years under his belt before he even potentially has to play. And you know I I've heard some rumblings that uh, Eason told the coaching staff that he would stay for two years regardless. Now, do I believe that? I don't know. So, um, I don't know there. It's, it's hard to speculate at the quarterback position in, in the coming years. But what I do know is we have a really good quarterback committed, uh, in Sam Heward in 2021. And I don't see that wavering at all. 
Um, so that's something you can probably bank on. So we just got to bridge that gap. And, you know, I think we have a pretty good crop of quarterbacks to bridge that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just want you to know and be prepared for the scenario where, uh, I become an Oregon state fan wholeheartedly because Jake Kaner is named the starter. And then Colson Yankoff commits to Oregon state. And then, um, like that, that is a, that is a thing. It could happen. Are you, are you talking because of the Jonathan Smith connection or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm. Uh, I wonder if he they re- he recruited them potentially. He he might be recruiting me, so that's all I'm saying. Oh, um, is that yeah? You know, between Bush Hamden versus Jonathan Smith, I I have I have a favorite um, amongst those two after <laughs> after one season. Uh, last thing about the quarterbacks, a lot of time on this down, but there's a lot to talk about. Uh, Jake Browning had a nice little comment. Um, the, he of the one time I think he already got surpassed. Uh, highest amount of money uh, committed to him from an undrafted free agent in NFL history. Uh, the Vikings paid him a lot because uh, they paid their actual starter, Kirk Cousins, probably way too much. So that's why they had to do that is go cheap, but also go a little expensive on that. Anyways, Browning, um, who at his pro day and at the combine was flashing a, a, a uh, much improved um, arm strength um, from, from his time at UW. And his arm strength is obviously much maligned throughout his career and talked about on this podcast. He says, everyone tells you you have some issue for four years, but no one really tells you how to fix it. Then to have a guy tell you how to fix it, it's pretty nice. So, I don't know. This comment both means nothing and a little bit of something at the same time. Nothing in the sense of like, he's not actually saying, man, Chris Peterson and that coaching staff let me down. Um, It's more like, I got ragged on for having a crappy arm for four years and then, but there was no one actually working with me on it because there's just no time. Like (laughs) in college football practices, it's just how do you run this offense? And they had to run it around his strengths, which were not throwing the ball deep. And so that was just kind of a situation where there's no time to actually develop you because of practice time limitations and all that. Um, so it makes sense that his arm strength would get better. My question is like, what was stopping him from seeking out that help other than I guess money beforehand? I think now this is total speculation, but I think this first of all, I don't think it was a dig. I think he was just kind of, you know, telling it as as it is and didn't had didn't have any uh negative intent in the comment. Um but I think this may be just because there's a limit on how long, you know, uh, uh, athletes can spend in their given sport per week. I think it's like 20 hours per week. Mm. So it would be, you know, four hours per day if you're assuming they do five days. I mean, I don't know. You, I don't know how you want to break it down, but 20 hours total versus, you know, you can spend as much time as you want as you're preparing for the draft and then a professional athlete on your craft. So, um, that's, that's the reason why I think he's seeing that difference. I could be completely wrong, but that's the obvious one that jumps out to mm-hmm. me. No, that makes sense. And, and I, and I agree. It's, it's not like he was saying, um, you know, I was just, I was neglected. It's more just like, there's no opportunity to, to really just focus on that one, one part of it. Um, but I mean, there, I, I don't know, like he, he it just seems like all of a sudden this this perfect thing showed up after he was at UW um what it could have existed before so i think that's just more frustration on my part that like there was something out there that could unlock better arm strength from browning um that 
wasn't only available to to him once he left UW. It was just a matter of finding it. Um, so that's that's the unfortunate part. Yeah, it is what it is, I guess. I mean, good for him though. I mean, yeah, might no, help I, him as he proceeds to the next level. Yeah, Kirk Cousins uh, kind of sucks sometimes, so who knows? He might <laughs> he, he might uh, he might get in. Um, we'll talk about some another thought about pro dogs a little bit later. Uh, but let's move on to second down. I think uh, I think we got a solid six there. Uh, but there might have been a holding call, so let's just pretend we're at second and twenty here. Uh, okay. We got some more playmaking on defense. Uh, last year's team lacked a certain ability to get off the field because teams were often in third and four, third and three, able to convert, and that was a product of not getting sacks, not getting turnovers, um, um, and really putting this defense in a position where they were the ultimate bend but don't break. Uh, over and over and over as teams just marched down the field when they were, had success against them. So getting that playmaking, getting pass rush, getting uh, creating turnovers was important. And I think that there were steps that were were taken this this uh, this spring to get us closer to to that. What were your favorite um, kind of adjustments that you saw or read about this this spring uh, regarding the defense? Sure. Yeah. It's it seems like they're trying to get their most talented players on the field yep. as much as possible, which is a very, you know, it makes sense. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's, it's, that was a very Ron Fairley comment of me, but, uh, <laughs> anyways, Benning, Benning potato, or, uh, as it's correctly pronounced, Benning poto has been moved inside to D tackle. Um, he was a little slow off the edge at buck. Um, but his quickness, quickness on the inside seems to be now strength of his. So, I'm excited to see how that progresses over the course of the season. He'll pair with Levi Anwizarike, who's probably the best and most experienced returning D lineman. Uh, I think he's capable capable of being all conference. So he's a guy that we're going to lean on a lot um, in the defensive front. Uh, having said that, you also add true freshman Jacob Bandez um, to the mix as well. You know, who knows how much you can depend on a true freshman, but he can be potentially part of the rotation. And then we have a few other guys that are, that are ready to step up like Tuli Latuli Gasanoa at the interior position as well. So, um, <laughs> and anytime, um, anytime you get the chance to nail a pronunciation, you take it and I love it. Cause Oh yeah. Yeah. You, uh, I mean, you, 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 you did put Potoai there, but Potoai is light work for, for, for the, some of the names that are on this roster now. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, Another one that this is a great transition. Speaking of uh, names, another one that kind of jumps out with that change for Benning to go on the interior of the line. Uh, it frees up Joe Tryon Shoyinka. Um, I didn't know there was a second that. name there. Oh yeah, he he has it on his jersey now, so uh-huh. I feel inclined to say it as he wants you know everybody to know that he's a he has a hyphenated last name. So Joe Tryon Shoyinka which if I have any chance to say that, I'm going to take it. <laughs> so I will hear. Uh, he's now, I think, the starter at Buck, um, which is that rush end. He and um, Ryan Bowman will share that role. So um, look for big things from Joe this season. And then um, we did lose Ben Burkirvin and also DJ Beavers to a medical retirement uh, at inside linebackers. So, uh, Brandon Wellington will be taking up the reins in that department. And, um, so far he's apparently looked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that's the East guide Catholic product that's been in the system. I think for a few years now, I think he's a, he might be a senior as a senior, which makes me feel very wow. old. 
because yeah. I think he was, so, uh, he was the recruiting year after I graduated. Um, so, yeah, yeah, time flies. Real scary. But uh, yeah, so it's 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 his time uh, to kind of call the shots, run the defense from the center there. So he's another guy to keep an eye on in that yeah. front seven. Yeah, the the I, I like the um, how you said there. I mean, you have Benning Potawai there, who who is a is a player with the profile of someone who should perform. Had a bit of a, a letdown season last year, but was really playing out of position. Just not. Not a um, explosive or powerful enough athlete, I think, to play standing up and away from the line of scrimmage as, as he was last year. Uh, so moving moving him close to the line just makes sense. I think getting a little more athletic there with him and Levi. Obviously, you lose guys sure. like, like Greg Gaines. You don't necessarily have that that uh, fire hydrant up the middle. Um, I mean, you have you have guys that that fit the bill, but Greg Gaines was was truly special in in run stuffing. Um, mm-hmm. That linebacker level is the interesting one, especially in the middle, because Brandon Wellington yep. fits the bill. I mean, athletically, he's there. I mean, he's been productive when he has played. Uh, but with Beavers retiring, there is a worry of mine that uh, if if and maybe I don't know, I don't want to speculate on injuries, but Brandon Wellington is injury prone, and so when yes. he, if he goes down, I caught myself saying when there, uh, it it isn't right there because you have Kyler Manu filling in there as kind of like your uh you know paid his dues senior mm-hmm. in that position not necessarily the most talented dude um so around that it's it's a little scary outside I like it though Joe Tryon uh Ryan Bowman and then Ariel Nata uh who yep. I was a big fan of last year um just for kind of the energy he brought he's put on a little bit weight of and had a couple mm-hmm. sacks in the spring game um, I like the the talent and, and athleticism on the outside, but not the most uh, stout group uh, for a team last year that had trouble stopping the run um, in a conference where there's a lot of, of really good running backs. Yeah, I th- I think, though, uh, there is a lot to be excited about with linebacker, especially with uh, some of the new faces coming in. Um, one thing to note on Ariel Nada, he did actually see some time at middle linebacker as well during the spring. So it looks like he can be pretty versatile in that regard. Um, and Kyler Manu is actually running with the ones I think he got the start in the spring preview. So, um, you know, I don't know what that means exactly, <laughs> but, uh, he can play with the ones. So, yeah. um, I also heard good things about Josh Calvert, who's a true freshman early enrollee this, this spring. And then you also have a uh, highly rated Daniel Haimuli coming in inside linebacker out of, uh, Menlo Park, California, East Palo Alto area. So, uh, Shout yeah, out. there's a lot of young guys that, uh, that you should be excited about for the defensive department. Yeah. Or the linebacker department, I should say. Yeah, a lot of a lot of turnover, and that's kind of the uh, the theme of this defense at every level. Given, given, I mean, you had eight guys get drafted. I mean, not all of them were on defense, but uh, that's just what happens. You have a lot of a lot of uh, new faces filing in at, at all the different positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the secondary, you lose Taylor Rapp, you lose uh, JoJo McIntosh, you lose Byron Murphy. Uh, in steps, uh, kind of some 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 rejiggering of that defensive backfield. Uh, the big move that I love, and it goes with the first thing you said about this defense, is starting to dabble with Miles Bryant playing safety, um, yeah. which is not something he's done at UW, but his skill set works perfectly for it in that he has no problem getting in the box and stuffing the run, or getting involved in the run, I should say, uh, but then also has plenty of coverage ability uh, playing the nickel. So it's something that's not necessarily the most uh easy of a transition but obviously goes with what you just said put your best guys in the field and having 
Bryant play safety allows you to put uh, put uh, Elijah Molden on the field at the same time um, and not have any kind of overlap there. Yeah, it, it's really interesting how this is going to shake out, and I have no idea because putting Bryant at safety does allow Molden to play nickel, but Molden can also play straight up corner, and yep. you could play Bryant at nickel, and then you could, you know, then the conversation is who's going to play safety. Like they can interchange a lot of players. Molden can play pretty much every position in the secondary, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, I have no idea how this is going to shake out. What we do know is Keith Taylor is going to be a starting cornerback. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only for sure thing. And then outside of that, there's just going to be a lot of talented guys on the field. I just don't know how they're going to line up exactly in the secondary. Yep. Yep. There's a big pool there with Kyler Gordon, Julius Irvin, who was hurt for this spring, but sounds like he could be mm-hmm. in the mix at safety too. Dominic Hampton, Isaiah Gilchrist, yep. uh, Cam Williams got a lot of run as a, as a true freshman. Brandon coming. McKinney. Yes. <laughs> so Brandon McKinney is the name I wanted to mention. Uh, he, okay. he was the guy who filled in for... Uh, for Taylor Rapp in the Rose Bowl, he was the guy who got absolutely torched, um, just eaten alive by Ohio State. Not a, not exactly the team you want to be starting against uh, in one of your first first big college football games, uh, like McKinney did um, for a team for the, just how proficient they are on offense. But it is interesting that they did a couple of things, which was uh, move move Miles Bryant to to safety, uh, uh, have uh, have a true freshman play over him. Um, and then also are talking about Julius Irvin in, in the safety spot. So it doesn't seem like Brandon McKinney is necessarily anywhere near the um, near a lock to start at a safety spot come come fall. Yeah, which is kind of surprising, honestly, because, you know, he's a junior now, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it would seem like his in time. That, in, that, in that defensive backfield. <laughs> yeah, it does, really. And uh, it would seem like his time. And I, I don't know what it is, but honestly, I... I, I think it has to do with the fact that Cameron Williams, this true mm-hmm. freshman out of Bakersfield, uh, is just it's apparently playing out of his mind. Um, I think you'll, you know, remember when Taylor Rapp broke on the scene? I'm not saying Cameron Williams is Taylor Rapp, but just remember when Taylor Rapp broke on the scene as a true freshman, he was kind of an unknown. Mm-hmm. And it it it's kind of the same situation with Cameron Williams. Um it's just, you know, one of those guys that we signed in in a pretty good class, but he was kind of down the list from a rating standpoint. Um, and as we know, Pete says ratings mean nothing. And it seems to be showing because Cameron Williams got a lot of reps with the first team. Uh, I believe he even started in the spring game as well. Um, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he's the starter at safety come yeah. uh August 31st, which I'm all for because if he's good enough to play, then, you know, mm-hmm. we should play him. And it makes so. a lot of sense that that uh, there's some freshmen who are coming in with there's plans for them right off the bat, given how selective uh, we know Jimmy Lake is and this team is in general with the offers that they put out uh, for mm-hmm. guys. So they are targeting guys specifically with the intent that they're going to play at UW. Um, so, that, I mean, that's that's just all connected. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely a, a position where there's a lot of question marks with how many guys were leaving for the NFL, uh, but something that does, doesn't seem like there's been a too much of a drop-off in terms of overall uh, ability and performance, um, although maybe not the overall draft pedigree quite yet uh, that, as we had last year with that secondary. Anything else with the defense? Yeah. Or ready for third down? Uh, I will say I hope uh, Buffy Miller or Jordan Miller's mom 
doesn't listen to this because you failed to mention the fact that we lost Jordan Miller wow. to the draft wow. as well. So and uh, and she would be very vocal about it, given yes. how vocal she is on Twitter. So, <laughs> yeah, shouts out, <laughs> shouts out, Buffy. You're so right. Um, not not my best <laughs> podcast for for recalling names, um, but we'll blame that on ten o'clock on the East Coast and and uh, one uh, one whirlpool pale ale uh, really set, oh, me, nice. set me back. Yeah, not shouts out nice. night, night shift brewing. Um, lo- <laughs> lo- local local craft around here. Um, let's nice. let's move to third down. Talking about the other side of the ball. Um, last year the problem on defense was was playmaking, um, getting getting big plays in the way of sacks, tackles for loss, turnovers, and such. Uh, I think the same could be said kind of about the offense is that the offense lacked a lot of explosion uh, and big playability. And I think that there's a, something that we can take from spring ball that would give us indication that, um, that that will change. The big thing that I got was that Hunter Bryant and Kate Otten are phenomenal. <laughs> and and yes. uh, I am very excited about this because Hunter Bryant, I think has played like three total games. It feels like in his UW career and all of them have been productive um, coming in last year in the Rose bowl. Obviously everyone remembers the catch. I uh, had a great apple cup. Um, was off to a great start his freshman year before he got hurt. Uh, him being fully healthy, I think, is is uh, a very exciting thing, and I think that this might be the last year we see Hunter Bryant in purple. Yeah, it, I mean, that's a good that's a good problem to have is leaving losing guys early like that. Uh, I put down on my notes here Hunter Bryant freak, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think that kind of explains where he's headed. Um, like you said, it's we haven't seen a lot of him because of the injuries he's suffered. Um, he only looks like he only played in one, two, three, four, five games last year. Uh, two of those or three of those games, he had two catches or less. Um, but average 17 and a half yards per catch. So, uh, yeah, this guy is going to be a great little security blanket for, uh, Jacob Eason. Um, and I think he's going to be the best, uh, weapon we have on our offense Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it seems like him, Otten and Bacellia in the op- in the absence of Aaron Fuller, Ty Jones, and Quentin Pounds, who, you know, you can't mm-hmm. say that just those are three guys to forget because Aaron Fuller led no. the team in receiving last year. Ty Jones had some some real moments of brilliance, and obviously Quentin, all Quentin Pounds does is make enormous plays. Um, <laughs> so so three guys that are important and I would hope uh, will be featured, but it seems like Bacellia and Bryant are really featured or coming on as, as, as true number one weapons. I think Andre Bacellia by the end of last season was the, the Huskies most reliable receiver. I think that from all atten- from all accounts, he seems to be primed for a really, really nice senior year. Yeah. I mean, Fuller did fizzle a little bit at the end. Did, did he, am I rem- remembering that correctly? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think Fuller so. was the guy for a while. So he's definitely capable of being the guy at wide receiver again. Um, but yeah, Bacelli did have a pretty good close if I'm remembering correctly. I mean, honestly, none of these guys outside of Bryant necessarily like pop out as game breakers to me, but at the same time, they're all capable of, you know, putting in a pretty solid shift, uh, every week. So I think it's a pretty good situation to have. I mean, even Ty Jones being that kind of, you know, big target on the edge. Um, I'm, 
I'm pretty happy with where we sit at wide receiver, especially with the likes of um, Austin Osborne, who's now a retro freshman and had a pretty decent spring uh, coming into the mix. Uh, Marquis Spiker, he kind of disappointed a little bit this spring, but uh, he's also pretty highly regarded, at least from when he was recruited. So there's, you know, look forward to him as well. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of really good pieces, but they're, um, you know, some of them are unproven and some of them haven't really um, had to be that dependent on wide receiver. But I am not concerned about the wide receiver position this mm. season. Yeah, Fuller Fuller had a little bit of a tail drop off seven catches against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. But a lot of those came uh, obviously in the comeback effort uh, late in that game. Uh, two catches against Utah in the Pac-12 championship. Uh, catchless against Wazoo. Uh, one catch against Oregon State. So definitely tailed off from how his season was was going when he really came out mm-hmm. strong. Uh, but yeah, like you said, I think we saw moments for all those guys last year with uh, with Pounds, obviously, with Ty Jones, who was huge in the Oregon game, huge in the Auburn game, uh, and Fuller, who was you know really carrying the team early. Um, but Bacelli and Bryant really came on strong at the end. Uh, we'll talk about the running backs briefly here, I think. Um, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be kind of a, a, a Hydra here. You have, uh, Savon Ahmed is clearly the guy, the most talented guy left in the group, but not someone who really ever separated himself, uh, in his mm-hmm. first two seasons as uh, capitalizing all the way on his talent that everyone knows his speed. Um, but behind him, Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant, um, uh, Pleasant, who I really liked at the end of the last season was, was giving them kind of a size in the backfield that they don't really have. Um, so to see here that he even got bigger, I think tells me that that's exactly what the UW coaching staff wants is to really, uh, really have him diversify and become a different type of running back, uh, from what they have, which, you know, with McGrew and Ahmed are a little bit more diminutive, speedy type, you know, third down type running backs, um, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And another person to keep an eye on here is Richard Newton, who is a, uh, I think a redshirt freshman. He goes by fame, um, I've heard. <laughs> Wonderful. I like mm-hmm. it. Um, he, the, my favorite quote about him uh, this spring is, it looks like they locked him in the weight room and didn't let him out. Um, he my apparently put on a, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, keeping it in state. Um, but yeah, it looks like he's put on some good muscle and a lot of people were comparing him to Levon Coleman, uh, I think partially because he wears number 22 like Levon, but he could potentially factor in as that more power back. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the Huskies are no uh, stranger to kind of cycling through their running backs. Um, so I think we will see a little bit of Richard Newton. Um one person we haven't mentioned in the running back core or the wide receiver core is the return of Chico McClatcher. And I don't know necessarily how he's going to factor in probably more so as a wide receiver, but he's versatile enough to, you know, come out of the backfield, whether it be on a third down in a passing situation or something. So that's someone else to keep in mind and be pretty excited about too. Yeah. It's good to have Chico back. And I hope, um, I hope that, uh, that we see some production out of him because, where it kind of left off with him in 2016. Uh, he was a huge big play factor on a team that was full of them with John Ross and Dante Pettis. So, you know, him being in the mix is a good thing just for, you know, bullets in the chamber, essentially for if you have eight guys and they all have promise, then that bodes well for, you know, four of them actually producing in, this, in the season. Um, so we'll see there. 
Uh, I did want to uh, include a report from someone who was actually at the spring game. Second time Zach Peggins has been mentioned. Shouts out. Nice. Uh, Z-Peg said that Sean McGrew uh, now has a full arm sleeve tattoo, um, it, in which goes with him being a huge, uh, huge video game guy. Uh, yeah. One of those dudes with a Twitch, <laughs> Twitch link in their, in their Twitter profile. Um, and then like his, his like picture is a, some anime person uh so he might be the weirdest dude on the team but i love it i love sean mcgrew <laughs> i'm looking at his profile right now on twitter and he is a streamer for an actual like esports organization if you fractured llc twitter, would you could is there any indication that he is a college football running back uh it does his his like cover photo is of him in uniform but if you scroll down a little bit so it's it's uh like you can't see it yeah, his main picture is an anime uh, character, and then his pin tweet is of him playing Fortnite. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I do appreciate. I'm a, when, I'm a fan. Yeah, when dudes uh, in who play football aren't all about football, because you know, obviously, more to life. But uh, but it's just so interesting because mo- most <laughs> most dudes who aren't in football, it's like, oh yeah, they also like you know music or art or something like that. But uh, intense video gaming is not usually one of them. Um, although, <laughs> do you, yeah. Do you remember the uh, the Stanford running back? I'm forgetting which one who was like super into Pokemon a couple years ago, or no, it was uh, like their linebacker went. I don't know. It just like didn't fit the bill at all. Not that it, you know, that's pretty obvious, but yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a podcast host and I love Pokemon, so that's is that is true? That weird. No, that's that's a that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> I stand corrected. That's that's much more much more in line. Um, yeah. Shouts out to the nerds. You know, they they uh yeah they they need a place in this world. Uh, yes. yeah. So the the defense or the offense, I should say, it's kind of tough with so many guys hurt. Um, but uh, but yeah. I mean, we all kind of know who these people are. It's just um, all good developments with Hunter Bryant and Bachelia at least. Uh, we'll figure the rest out. Dogs in the NFL. It was a it was a productive NFL draft or a prolific NFL draft. Eight Huskies got drafted um, in no particular order. Byron Murphy goes to Arizona. Uh, Caleb McGarry goes to Atlanta. He was the first one taken. Uh, Drew Sample um, was was the second one taken Whoa. in in uh, by the Bengals in the second round, who clearly have not been burned by the John Ross UW thing yet, which is I guess good things. Uh, <laughs> Miles Gaskin gets picked up by the Dolphins in the seventh round. Love it. Would not be surprised if Miles Gaskin led the Dolphins at rushing this year, uh, just by how the <laughs> NFL works sometimes. Taylor Rapp and Greg Gaines both end up in in division with the Seahawks, uh, with the LA Rams, and uh, <laughs> I'm saying it again last year uh, or second to last. Jordan Miller goes to Atlanta, Ben Burkirvan to Seattle. Uh, my first question is which of those are your favorite landing spots and then my second question is can we make cbk a thing uh referring to ben burkirvin as a seahawk uh favorite landing spot i mean the obvious answer is bbk but at the same time i think it's pretty exciting that uh that byron murphy is going back home to arizona and he gets to play alongside the likes of uw alums Buda Baker and Zeke Turner. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it's that's exciting. I definitely will be keeping an eye on the Cardinals' defense this season. 
Um, and yeah, I'm all for CBK. I think that obviously rolls off the tongue nicely and is similar to the BBK nickname he's had already. So yeah, let's do it. I just wonder if the NFL will let him just put BBK on the back of his jersey. That would be great. It's only right. Um, (laughs) yeah, I, I think all of these were great. I mean, I think that one big advantage of McGarry getting drafted so early was that it, it drew a lot of hype around him. Um, which included two big uh, factoids about Caleb McGarry. One is his performance after the Apple Cup this year, which was incredible, uh, <laughs> where he says, eat my effing <laughs> uh, ass, Bottom. I'll just say it. Uh, yeah, took us <laughs> uh, to, in no one in particular, on the... Uh, As he's doing a snow angel. Yeah, <laughs> on the Martin Stadium <laughs> field um, after after the Huskies win that game. Uh, and then another one, which uh, got corroborated by, in some form or fashion, by Kevin King and John Ross, uh, of McGarry as a freshman, I guess at UW during uh, weightlifting, have something called White Boy Wednesday, uh, where they are uh, playing country music. And uh, McGarry, uh, the, the music got turned to rap. McGarry wanted it back to country. McGarry is a very big country boy. Fife, uh, Washington, anyone who's ever been there uh, knows what Fife smells like. Um, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, immediately switched it back and was was very vocal about it. Um, so learning learning a lot about Caleb McGarry, who I did not know was that big of a psycho uh, until that. But but uh, I like that part. Yeah, that that second part there was a little unfortunate because I think he was unfairly called out in that regard. Um, there was some inaccurate reporting done in some cases, but at the same time and on a more real level. Uh, talk about a guy who's gone through a oh, yeah. lot over the last few years. Um, I'm not going to go through all of it, but I know, like for instance, all of his belongings were burned down and you know burned in a house fire. For instance, I think there was also some um, some medical issues within the family. Mm-hmm. Um, all in all, it was it was tough the last like four or five years for him. So really happy to see him go. Uh, so high and you could tell how excited he was just by the emotions he showed um, on some of the video that surfaced on social media so yeah all in all a great three days for the huskies third most third highest number of draft uh, picks of any team in college football and uh yeah i i think you know there's we should expect the same type of maybe not eight picks but the same type of uh, draft production in the coming years because that's what this coaching staff is capable of and yeah. the players are capable of yeah anytime you're in the same shelf as as Alabama and Georgia and, and Clemson at that level in terms of how many how many NFL talents you're producing it's uh, it's a good thing uh, now it's mm-hmm. just you know win a New Year's Six Bowl how about it uh, but yep. uh, uh, yeah I, I liked I liked pretty much every destination I think uh, one outside of UW, I just gotta say it because I loved him in at Stanford. I think JJ Arcega Whiteside is gonna be a beast in, in Philly. Um, oh yeah, that, that uh, I mean, not not putting up huge monster numbers, but the way that they used Alshon Jeffrey, um, I feel like they just drafted uh, a, a younger, maybe even bigger, definitely version of that. Um, so had to get that out there. Let's yep. uh, let's move on to one big question here, and uh, the first, the big one is, what the hell is a spring preview? <laughs> like, <laughs> this, this it, isn't yeah. actually this isn't Who actually knows? our question, but the the whole thing is just absurd. I mean, it's it's this thing. Like, I would only go if I it was like a free thing and I had nothing to do. And it's a beautiful day in Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, which you know is not going to happen for it, me. I'm not there. But, it was that, and I didn't even go. <laughs> right, and it's it's just it's it's this weird thing that's just kind of an invention. I mean, it, or I think it mattered more to Sark when he was there. I, I think they made a bigger deal out of it. Um, mm-hmm. But with Peterson, it just it just seems like this formality, and if it was up to him, he would prefer it didn't exist. Yeah, it's a glorified practice. There isn't really a game anymore, which is kind of too bad because when I go, you know, I want to see a game. I don't want to see practice, um, even though even if it's a fake game, so to speak. But uh, yeah, I I used to go to the spring game uh, pretty frequently, but I've stopped in recent years just because of that. Um, that being said, it's it may be more beneficial to run it more like a practice. So um I don't really care. I mean, yeah, you know, we'll just wait until the fall to go and see him. <laughs> the uh, the actual one big question here is: What are the expectations for the mm-hmm. 2019 Huskies? What do you think? I mean, is this is this right back where we left off? Ex- compete for Rose Bowl? Is this a step back season? Uh, what what is this step back? Is obviously a, an in vogue word in, in Seattle sports, but. Um, is this, uh, is this a championship level team? What do we, what do we exactly have here, uh, with this year's Huskies? Yeah, it's kind of tough to tell because there's a lot of unproven areas on the field right now. Um, just scanning over the schedule, I would say we should be favored in every game other than Oregon and maybe at Stanford. Um, so in that case, you know, you're looking at 10 and 2 if everything goes to plan. Uh, now we know that that it doesn't always happen. Um, I, it's really hard to tell. Oregon looks really good coming into this year. They have 10 starters returning on offense, including Heisman contender Justin Herbert at quarterback. Seven start, starters returning on defense. Um, so October 19th. 19th uh, against Oregon at Husky Stadium is going to be a massive game. Uh, I made a note, see you there, Boyd. I'm campaigning <laughs> for that to be your game to come home to. It is homecoming after all, so um, I think it would only be fitting. Um, but uh, we'll talk about that uh, offline. But anyways, yeah, it, it's it's a tough... The, the North is really pretty good this year with uh the likes of stanford oregon i mean a kind of a resurgent cal um i think wsu is going to stay take a step back a little bit but at the same time i don't think they're going to be awful um so there's five decent to good to really good teams in the north and i think there's only really one to two good teams in the South. Um, Utah is pretty much the only for sure team, at least I see being decent in the South. So it's, you know, you got to get out of the the North in order to give yourself a shot at a Rose Bowl. So it's going to be tough. It's really going to come down to that Oregon game, I think. And I noticed you didn't talk about my beefs, um, which is, uh, which, <laughs> which is tough. Um, with six year starter, uh, Jake Luton at the helm, you really don't know what to expect. <laughs> Um, but no, you're right. I, I, I had on the schedule here and bolded four games as potential sure up games. Uh, Cal uh, is, is obviously a team that the Huskies couldn't beat last year um, and a team that's defense is going to give a lot of teams troubles this year. But that's the second game of the season. You get them at home, figure you get that done. Go to or get Hawaii, go to Provo, um, which <laughs> I could not. 
I could not, uh, I don't know what the opposite of, of recommend is. Um, whatever that word is, apply it to Provo, Utah to go watch a game. Just not, yeah. not hyphy. I would just say that. Um, <laughs> no. And then, and then you have the USC Adidas launch party slash get Clay Hilton fired party uh, <laughs> game right after that. Um, I can't wait. So, I mean, that that's a pretty good run up, I think, for this team. And that's that's an important part of it is, like you said, with so many unproven parts, if this year's team had to play Auburn right off the bat, I would be like, it would be a little scary just because, yes. um, you know, some team like that that's just so talented, I think would really give them trouble as they're trying to figure a lot of stuff out. I think that the schedule has is much more designed for uh, for exactly that of kind of a, a slow development to, to get into form um, this year than last year with some challenges early on. I think the, that that Cal game is actually a nice one, um, a nice yeah. litmus test at home um, to get done. Uh, the at Stanford game uh, is interesting, and then that Oregon game um, followed by the Utah game, um, and then with, with the Apple Cup at home. Uh, as well but yeah i mean there's there's a lot of talent in the conference um and and i appreciate the uh the the focus on the north the north remembers it's gotten that point in the conference it's so funny with the the ucla and usc kind of absence the the void that it's left um but, but it's still a really good conference without those teams um in terms of the talent there this oregon thing now that you said it is it's just really interesting to me um, I was fully planning <laughs> a, on, yeah, I'll be here for the Thanksgiving. I would, I would imagine. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but the Oregon one, man, it's, I, it's, it's nice. It's right in the middle of the season. So yeah. it's not like you're going to be coming out and then immediately coming out again for Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, I think, I think that has to be the one, but mm-hmm. you know, I can't make that decision. Yeah. Let's, uh, what else would it be? USC. Yeah. I wouldn't come for the Adidas launch party slash Clay Hilton gets fired party. Um, Maybe the results of that USC game. If if they're if they're five and zero at that point, I might I might have to pull the trigger because there's there's absolutely nothing I love more than being in Husky Stadium and peeing on rubber ducks. It's it's a yeah. It is a quite quite the honor to be able to do that in um, a trough, no less. Oh, I miss the trough. I do too. <laughs> it's sitting sitting on the new side. You don't get the trough anymore, which is really too bad. Yeah. Uh, once, um, yeah, once I'm, I'm rich someday, I'll have a trough in my house. Uh, to, to <laughs> that's, that's the plan. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think as far as expectations for this year, honestly, I boil it down. If you could tell me how productive Jacob Eason, Eason was and how productive Joe Tryon was, I could tell you how this season went. I think if, if, if Eason, if his numbers look a certain way, uh, in terms of just, uh, I think yards per attempt and then interceptions, Mm-hmm. one way or the other that would tell me a lot and then i also think if joe tryon is able to get in the backfield get close to 10 sacks a lot of pressures a lot of hurries tackles for loss etc that would tell me that this defense is getting a lot done um and that would answer a lot of my questions because without those two things i don't know if you have the chops to go into stanford and beat kj costello i don't know if you can uh if you can outscore oregon um in at home in that game so it's it it, it really for me just comes down to those those two factors Big plays on offense, taking care of the ball, and then can the defense get home um, and make some big plays? Yeah, I I want to emphasize that def- can the defense get home because that's something that that's one of the few things the defense lacked last year. Yeah. So hopefully yeah. we can kind of write that a bit this season. Seventeen sacks just wasn't going to cut it uh, last season. So yeah, I mean I think that ten wins is is definitely kind of the the over under. I think that Vegas would probably have it at 
nine and a half um, yep. in that range. I don't know if that's actually been established, uh, but I would I would wouldn't be surprised if it was if it was that any lower. I would, I would start to start to uh, get suspicious as to what they're seeing. There, um, there's also one thing I want to mention just for all of our Eagles out there. Uh, Eastern Washington did make the FCS finals last season. So I just want to mention them. This is um, true. I, this you know, true. I think they deserve the mention. Uh, that's my, a tough opener, even though it's an FCS opponent. My very first college football game as a student at Husky Stadium uh, was Vernon Adams uh, torching, uh, yeah. <laughs> torching of Desmond Trufant and co. Uh, at Husky Stadium, <laughs> uh, which was way too close and way too gnarly for, yeah. uh, for what that game was supposed to be. I, Speaking of that game this season, that is actually going to be a game I miss, which Ooh. I don't remember. I can't remember the last home game I missed. So it's uh, it's kind of scary. I will be at a destination wedding, and I've already uh, aired my grievances with the groom about it. But uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunately something I'm going to have to just deal with. So September seventh will be my first game. Yeah, the only wedding I've had to deal with that is my brother's actually, but that was that was um, that was one of the Oregon games where we weren't going to beat Oregon, and there wasn't any doubt about that. So it actually <laughs> probably can thank him for sparing yeah. me from having to watch that one. Um, Fair enough. That was that was a while ago. Uh, Let's uh, let's do our quick back to pack section. The other teams okay. have their spring games as well. Um, I'm going to give brief little vignettes from uh, from the stories around the around the conference. You're going to tell me uh, which vignette, which team that vignette belongs to, um, okay. based off of what you know about them. The first one uh, comes from a a uh, a camp um, where the biggest play in the game in the spring game was a 42 yard completion. Uh, in where the the players were talking about how they didn't really have anything like that last year, anything like that being a long completed pass. Uh, which which uh, Pac-12 team is that that doesn't know what it's like to have com- long completed passes? Is that Stanford? That would be Oregon State, my friend. My, oh my wow! Beeves. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Stanford Go had beeves. lots of those. Yeah. As as. Uh, well, I mean, I feel like they're more possession you know, th- passing team. But I guess when you have JJ Arcega Whiteside, you just toss it up. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, this, this one, hopefully I, should be I really hope I can like get some of these. <laughs> this, I think you've got this one. Uh, this okay. coach has Eric Dickerson yelling at him because uh, he torpedoed one of his, Eric Dickerson's clients draft value um, by saying that he should have returned to school instead of, uh, instead of going to the draft. Is that um is that WSU Mike Leach? That is that is uh, the Dread Pirate Leach himself. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, it's kind of a funny thing. I I I understand what Leach is saying, but yeah, Mike Leach basically was like, yeah, I, I tell all my guys to stay for four years. They should get their degree before they go pro. Uh, and James James Williams from uh, his his running back who led them in catches last year uh, did not do that, and he was like, all right, peace. And then I guess. I don't really know the specifics of what he didn't do for his prospect after that, but Eric Dickerson was kind of Williams' agent uh, and was tweeting about how Mike Leach um, sucks. <laughs> so that's yeah. Awesome. He wrote, "Thank you for not helping James accomplish his goal of feeding his family, who were homeless only a few years ago. We will not stand for NCAA coaches using their power to harm young men who are simply trying to help their families. We're watching you, Coach Leach." Yeah, that's a tough one because obviously, wow, like, James, you know. Mike, Mike Leach turned James Williams into a, uh, you know, a, a NFL prospect by 
involving him in the offense that he did. So it's it, that's a weird thing to say, but I digress. Yeah. Uh, the third one, this team had camp in February because why not? Uh, is it ASU just because they do stuff weird there with what's his name? Yeah, Fork Convention down there, right? That's that's uh, <laughs> with be, Herm. That'd be Herm Edwards. Yeah, they had they yeah. had their spring camp in February. It actually makes a lot of sense because um, you just like you get them right after the season and so you can kind of cement things a little bit faster and then you get okay. you get all of your stuff installed um so that they have seven months to think about everything before or six months to think about everything before they show up rather than just a couple of them um or maybe all of that stuff gets forgotten <laughs> between between february and, and when you start fall camp uh but when you're in arizona uh you can really start practice whenever because of weather stuff so True. Interesting. Uh, this team's quarterbacks are playing chess to uh, to think about how to you know outsmart their opponents. I mean, Actual this chess. sounds like Stanford. <laughs> you would think. Uh, Chip yeah, Kelly I know. Ha- Chip Kelly has his, ah. his quarterbacks at UCLA playing chess um, to uh, to get get a little bit more ahead of the game. Who is uh, what's his name still going to be the starter there? The guy with two last names. Dorian that Thompson was Robinson, Robinson. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He would be your incumbent okay. there. Uh, the guy okay. who kind of lit UW up last year, uh, but that's, that's a different yeah, story. Weird. Yeah, this, weird this team's uh, former Heisman is uh, actively campaigning to get Urban Meyer to coach them. Oh, uh, yeah. This is USC. Yes. I, I couldn't imagine – I think I sent this to you. I just couldn't imagine former players actively campaigning to hire a new coach at UW. I just, it's not real. It's not a good look. Um, that being yeah. said, I mean, I, I understand where they're coming from because Urban Meyer would be way better than Clay Helton. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not a good look. And, um, but having said that, nothing's been a good look at USC for like the past two years. So uh, they probably just don't even care at this point. Lord only knows what Clay Helton has done to get the job security he has at a a place that has, (laughs) uh, this isn't Oregon state where the six win season works. Like he, he, I I have no idea what, what, uh, what went down. Um, But he is clearly on someone's good side. This team just got a 5,000-seat addition to their stadium uh, that the Huskies usually do very, very well in. Well, it's not Arizona, then. Um, yeah, that's very true. Uh, Colorado? We do very well there. Uh, the 5,000-seat addition goes to Rice-Eccles Stadium in Salt Lake ah. City, Utah. So a very small stadium that gets 5,000 seats. Uh, that they always sell out, so that's uh, yeah. that's, that's a good thing. I think that that's good for that conference or for the conference because Utah has a good thing going. The Mus, the mighty Ute, Ute student section. Uh, yeah, that's a Rice Eccles is definitely a place I want to go to sometime because that atmosphere looks wild. Here's one. Uh, did you know at Utah that uh, Huntley, Tyler Huntley, there is going is returning. Zach Moss really? is returning, and Britton Covey is returning. All three of those guys. Wait, he's are, still alive. All three of those guys are still in college football. Um, and Covey is alive. And Covey's thirty-six years old. Is the other part of it. <laughs> I thought we saw the last of him after uh, Byron Murphy ended his life, but yeah. I guess not. Um, yeah, so they're they're still around. 
this team's wow. coach said, spring is important here. Spring is a phase. Wow, that that's deep. Is this, is this, I'm just trying, now. I'm just trying to figure out who's left. Is this like someone doing some Zen stuff down in Tucson? No, some, someone is off this list. There wasn't anything remarkable. Oh, okay. About camp. Okay. So is this, a, is this Shaw and Stanford now? Not Shaw. Wow. Who, who do I have left? Uh, Colorado? This would be uh, my least favorite coach in the conference, Mario Cristobal. Ah. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Spring is a phase right after you said spring is important here. I don't really understand what that means, but, uh, oh, well, I don't, I don't care to understand. I think Cristobal, Cristobal is just a, um, a drill sergeant meathead type. Um, (laughs) I don't think he's much in the way of like, actually, you know, the things he says doesn't really matter. Uh, (laughs) let's, uh, let's get back to what we do best. We hand out our great cat. And we hand out our OKG. Um, my great cat of camp is the transfer portal. Just the whole mm, th- the whole thing enough. about transferring in college f- football is just it's a so joke. Dumb. Colson Yankoff it's probably won't actually get to play for someone for two years, but uh, if Ohio State gets a five star transfer, they can play immediately. Yeah, yeah, that is that is the biggest joke of the offseason, How Justin Fields can transfer and immediately play. For basically no reason, and then uh, who's the guy? Tate uh, Martell. Oh, well, yeah, there's that too. That one also doesn't make sense. But there's some offensive lineman that like is trying to move home to be with his mother, who's you know terminal, and the NCAA isn't granting an automatic like you know automatic eligibility. Um, I saw it on Twitter last week. It's just you know it's totally backwards. It's just the NCAA NCAA not you know unable to get out of their own way type yeah. thing um so nothing new I'll, I'll i'll send you that it's pretty shocking Ugh, god uh yeah. who's who's your okay or who's your great cat of uh of, of training camp uh great cat is the dj beavers injury ah. specifically and the retirement that the ensuing retirement because of it um just kind of an unfortunate career that was cursed with injuries. Uh, he was a starter at middle linebacker going into the last season. Um, well, one of the positions, and he was only able to play five games and then suffered a serious leg injury in the Rose Bowl and just was never able to recover. So uh, that was kind of unfortunate news. He definitely would have factored in and, and almost certainly started this season if he was healthy. So, uh, yeah, that one's too bad. I like that. Yeah, Beavers. Beavers um, had a lot of promise. I think he even played in the. Gosh, he played in the the shirt or yeah the Peach Bowl against against Alabama. I yeah. think he started in that game. Uh, yeah, he started in the the Apple Cup before that. Right. That game as well. Yeah, yeah, and then just never really got healthy from that, and was just always trying to get back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's always a bummer when that happens for for a variety of different reasons that that guys have to give it up. OKG of camp. Uh, I'm gonna give mine to to Joe Tryon for capitalizing on the, uh, the 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 promise at the end of last season with a with a strong camp. Um, and then also I'm gonna give Hunter Bryant the uh, the Byron Murphy player who is really good, but when they leave UW, realize they've only played like ten total games uh, award. Yeah. <laughs> because I feel like that's what's, <laughs> that's what's gonna happen to to our yeah. HB. Yeah, it's a it's a good and bad situation to be in. But uh, I'm just going to enjoy the Hunter Bryant show this year, yeah. assuming he can stay healthy. Yeah, 
Let's hope he gets a freaking pass. I just remember in that Rose Bowl that it took like yeah, 35 plays or something to get him a – I think it was actually worse than that. It was like 50 plays or something like that to get him a target. It's like, are you kidding me? You're playing Ohio State, and you have one guy who actually looks like he belongs in this field. Uh, yeah. And you don't get on the ball. That that has honestly been probably the biggest oddity of the Chris Peterson era is his inability to get the ball or have his quarterbacks get the ball to our best receivers. There was that season where we played John Ross at corner because somehow we couldn't throw him the ball. And then we have that with uh, Kaysen as well. Yeah. Uh, and then we have that with Hunter Bryan as well. I don't know. doesn't make sense to me. But um, yeah. my OKG of camp is Cameron Williams, who we talked about a little bit. Like uh, the true freshman that is vying for first team reps in probably the most talented uh, unit on the team. So um, that's pretty amazing. And as I mentioned previously, kind of unheralded coming out of Bakersfield, California, only a three-star recruit. So uh, yeah, pretty excited to see what he can do and if he can carry on his good play into the season. Yeah, good call. Like it. Uh, Cameron Williams off to a good start for his Husky career. I like the camp, the Taylor Rapp connection you made earlier. I think he was also an early enrollee. Uh, Rapp was way back when. Yeah. Um, so off to, to similar career tracks there. Uh, all sure. right, Stan. We'll 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 put this to bed for a little bit. We'll we'll get this fired up as uh, as fall camp gets closer to starting. Um, if there's any more news in between then and now, we might jump on that. But uh, but this was good. I'm satisfied. This filled my belly. Uh, we're ready to go sometime in August. Uh, sound good for you? Yeah, this is great. I'm looking forward to it. All right, brother. Thanks for doing this. Take it easy. Go dogs. <laughs>